Hello and welcome to Homebrew Adventures, the RPG show where we take wannabe adventurers and take them through a one-shot adventure created by you, the listener. I'm your dungeon master, Corey Keller. Join me every episode where I take our group of heroes who like to dungeons, and sometimes dragons, and we will see if they survive. Do they have what it takes? Is your adventure challenging? Let's find out on Homebrew Adventures! Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Homebrew Adventures, the Dungeons and Dragons podcast where we take adventures written by you, the listener, and play them on our show. Um, it's great, it's awesome, and we want you guys to be a part of that. So welcome to another episode, and uh, before we get started, I just want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Audible, where you can get a 30-day free trial just by going to audibletrials.com forward slash homebrewadventures. And this week, we're going to recommend a book, Lemony Snicket's Series of Unfortunate Events, we think you should. It's awesome. Not only is it the audiobook, but you also get it narrated by Tim Curry himself, the king of voiceover. Guess what? Some of them are even uh, voiced by Lemony Snicket himself. So go on to audible.com and search for those books. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash homebrewadventures and get a 30-day free trial. All right, everyone. So this week we're doing something a little bit different on the podcast. Uh, we're going to take a break from our normal campaign and we're just going to talk about first-time dungeon mastering. So uh, with me today, I have a couple people that are going to introduce themselves here in a second. But they uh, both just got into DMing for the first time. And we're going to talk about what it is to DM a session and basically kind of how nerve-wracking it can be the first time you do it. But before we get started, let's go ahead and uh, introduce. So uh, let's start with you, Jonah. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your name, where you're from. Yeah. Let the people know who you are. Hey guys, this is Jonah Harper. I am just started DMing, done about 10 hours of playtime now. I grew up um, in an Air Force family, so we moved a lot. I live in Enid, Oklahoma now, and I sling coffee for a living. So I really enjoyed starting D&D. Like you said, it's pretty nerve-wracking uh, the first couple of times, but it's been really fun getting better. Awesome, yeah. Well, welcome to the podcast, Jonah, for Thank all you... you uh, people listening. He is one of our first guests that we've had on the show. And um, yeah, thanks for joining us today. And uh, Charlie, yeah, go ahead course. and tell a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'm Charlie Johnson. You've probably heard me before. If not, and this is the first time ever listening to our podcast. Well, uh, welcome. And you've picked an interesting first choice. Uh, I started DMing uh, my first one ever was actually the one we did for the podcast, and it was terrifying. And uh, since then, I've I've started DMing another game, and in the process of starting another another game. So uh, I kind of I jumped in real fast and went from having never done it to now having two other games that I'm DMing. Wow! So you basically just jumped right in. Yeah. First. Yeah. Yeah, so, that, so that's pretty interesting, um, which we'll, we'll talk about here a little bit later, but that's pretty interesting, the fact that your first time DMing Charlie was actually for this podcast. So for those of you, <laughs> for those of you uh, who've been listening to this for a while, you know Charlie is Johnny Bronze on the show, um, and for those of you, like he said, for your first time jumping in on the show, uh, Charlie actually is a, a regular cast member on the show as a player, and his first time DMing was our side quest, uh, what was it, Press Start to Join, I think is what it was called. 
And yeah, that yeah. was your first time was actually on the podcast. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I just want to start by, uh, Jonah, we'll start with you. Uh, basically, how old uh, were you the first time you learned of D&D? Like, well, yeah, tell us about the first time you actually ever learned about Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. I probably heard like the name Dungeons and Dragons at an early age, but like the first time I knew anything about it was probably 19 or 20. Mm-hmm. And hold it, how old are you now again? 23. 23, okay. Yeah, so yeah. about three years ago was when I was like, oh, it's a role-playing game, like with your friends. Okay, I feel like I understand a little bit about what's happening. Before it was like, what's Dungeons and Dragons? I feel like I've heard that before. Yeah. Did you have any friends or relatives that played growing up? No, not not really. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Charlie? What was the, when was the first time you actually learned about Dungeons and Dragons? Um, I think it was probably one of those things that uh, when I was a kid, I'd kind of heard of. I think the the first time I actually really started looking at it, and I didn't even you know spend a lot of time was uh, it was on like one of the uh, VH1. I love the '80s or I love the '90s. I think oh, nice. it was I love the '80s. Uh, because that's when there was the big fear around Dungeons and Dragons. It was like kids, you know, or worshiping Satan. Yeah. Um, and uh, they talked about it. And I, before then, it was pretty much just like the stereotypical, like, well, nerds playing Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, and so I didn't really, you know, know much about it. But I do remember specifically one comedian, like, talking about it. He was like, yeah, I play Dungeons and Dragons a lot. It's a lot of fun. And it's great storytelling. And you get groups friends together and it's, it's good i don't care what you guys say um but this was that was you know uh early 2000s uh and so it still hadn't really kind of i feel like it's reached a point now where more people accept it um but the first time that i kind of was like oh i kind of want to do something like this uh i was probably 23 24 listening to dan Harmon's podcast uh harmontown oh yeah that's, and that was uh, amazing uh, yeah. And I just remember, like, I, I remember not wanting to play when I first started learning about it because I wanted to DM because Spencer Crittenden was just, I, I was fascinated by his ability in storytelling. Uh, but everyone I talked to, I was like, oh, I really want to do this. I really want to do this. And then no one like wanted to, to do it. Um, I had, you know, it was just, they were still kind of, no, I don't want to do it. And then, uh, yeah, so I was, I've, kind of had my my uh, eye on D&D for six or seven years now, um, but didn't really start getting into it until about two years ago. Gotcha. Yeah, that's the, that's the crazy thing. I feel like for most uh, Dungeon Masters, or really even people that get into Dungeons & Dragons, it's it's always hard to find that group yeah, to, for real. to get together and play. And it's like, even like the first, like it, it took me forever to finally get to actually play and like even be involved in Dungeons and Dragons because I never knew anybody that played it or wanted to play it. And it was yeah. just like 10 years of wanting to do it, but never yeah. had the opportunity. Um, so that's that's kind of funny thing about um, Charlie, did you, did you have any like friends or relatives that played growing up or was it kind of the same thing where you were the first one to hear about it and trying to get your friends into it? Uh, I asked my dad actually. Um, about it because i was like you know he was he was in high school right around the time when you know first uh dungeons dragons came out uh and he was like i there were kids when i was in college that played but we just we kind of 
ignored them and stayed away from them. Really, really. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right, cool. But yeah, as far as I know, um, I mean, I'm not super close with, I have a big family, so I don't know all of them, to be honest. Um, gotcha. But as far as I know, yeah, I'm the first person in our family that's ever really uh, gotten into it. Um, I might have a cousin who plays, I think I heard that one, but gotcha. like I said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a horrible relative. <laughs> You're the black sheep that's getting into all that devil worshiping Dungeons and Dragons. Oh man, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, with I mean, yeah, you look at Dungeons and Dragons kind of when it first started, you know, in the in the '70s, and then you know it started from war games into storytelling, and then you know you had the '80s where it was like in the mainstream, but not for a good reason with, you know, the, the evils of Dungeons and Dragons. And then there was that, those years of silence with not so many people playing with uh, Dungeons and Dragons because of all that. And now, I mean, you look at Dungeons and Dragons now with all the podcasts coming out, all the Seriously. Twitch shows and YouTube channels, like it's back in the mainstream and this time in a good way. And so it's, it's crazy how you can hardly talk to anybody now who doesn't know what Dungeons and Dragons is, Yeah, you know? And so that I feel is like what's bringing a lot of people to wanting to be a DM for the first time and want to actually get into Dungeons and Dragons because of things like Critical Role and Drunks and Dragons and the Adventure Zone and, you know, things like that. Um, and so for you guys, and Charlie, we'll start with you this time, uh, what made you actually want to run a and d game rather than want to just be the player of a D&D game? And what made you want to actually take on that responsibility? Um, well, for me, it was a lot of um, the same reason I wanted to start playing. Um, because I realized, <clears throat> I mean, I'm, I'm a writer, uh, and so I wanted to, I love the storytelling. And, uh, I mean, I go back to, to Spencer Crittenden, like, it was a goofy, silly story that he started with, and it, to me, I was just like fascinated that he could do something that was so in depth, but also still so open to interpretation and allowed for the players to really make it their own. Um, and then, uh, same thing with the adventure zone, like, uh, you know, Griffin had never done it before and he ended up writing a campaign that was just a beautiful story. Oh, that was amazing. Um, and so, you know, and I, and I understand that one, you know, we're not going to get into the, the politics of, of how they skewed away from a lot of the rules and things to tell, tell the story. But uh, even that, like, I, I, I wanted to tell a story that could bring everyone in um, and, you know, have fun with mm -hmm. it. Um, so that was really the, the draw for me is, is, you know, I wanted to tell a story and, I get to do that while I'm a player, but I wanted to kind of like create that, that outline. I wanted to create a skeleton for the players to, to build their story around. Absolutely. Rather than um, continuing the story and adding to the story, you're actually taking on the fact of you are the story. Now you are the one yeah. building that story and letting them, letting your players now add on to your story and so, yeah, yeah, the flip-flop is completely different from a player to a DM when it comes to that. So, yeah, so your, your main draw was a storytelling aspect of it. Um, yeah. And so, uh, Jonah, same question for you. What made you want to actually run a D&D &D game and take on that responsibility? Yeah. Um, it might be a little bit less romantic-sounding than storytelling. Um, that's awesome, Charlie. I kind of <laughs> got into 
DMing for, for the girls, right? No. <laughs> for, for all the babes? No, I, I got into DMing because I went on a crazy road trip uh, to bring a friend back to Oklahoma. And on the way back, one of the friends in the car, um, Brooks, was like, guys, we need to do Dungeons and Dragons. So we ended up talking about it and thinking about it so much that we just like made up some random characters without character sheets, nothing, and role played some random bit of just mess. We were like all three making up as we were going this story and played that all the way back in the car. And then, um, I mean, we were pretty tired, but that was so fun that when we talked about, all right, we need to do something for real here, like a legit campaign, and we started buying the handbooks and getting everything rolling, somebody had to DM. And I knew that, like, if Brooks DM'd, he was just going to, like, spend his life on this Dungeons & Dragons um, adventure. So I wanted to be able to give him the opportunity to play because he hadn't played in so long and he was really passionate about playing a character. So like you were talking about, making that skeleton for people to be able to flesh out and them be able to enjoy telling the story with you or playing within that world, I wanted to give people that opportunity. So, Awesome. Yeah, I remember uh, when you told me uh, that story of you guys driving back and yeah. playing D&D in the car, I was like, man, talk about the best road trip game ever. Seriously, we were using <laughs> coins. We literally had like nickels, dimes, and pennies because we didn't have any dice. So we were like just doing this really ghetto version of rolling was it like heads tails kind of thing yeah it was like heads tails uh, equals you know a number so like yeah. if you were rolling a d6 i'd have them like shuffle six pennies in their hand and like whichever ones were heads that was like the number <laughs> that's awesome yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna have to remember that for a road trip game it, Next time that's amazing yeah the statistics do not work out the same but it was super fun <laughs> So, wait, so you, you kind of fell into the, uh, which is kind of where I fell into it as well, with the, uh, well, someone's got a DM. Yeah. Might as well be me, right? Yeah, at least a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It was that way. Which I, I feel like that's a lot of firsts is a lot of people when they get groups together, it's like, well, okay, we just decided we want to play, but who's actually going to do the DMing now? Yeah. And it's that, always that one person's like, well, I guess I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. So we have the story and the kind of just uh, someone's got to do it and, you know, and so that's great. Yeah. Um, now, when you finally made the decision, you know, that, okay, I'm going to take on the DM role. I'm going to sit in that DM seat and take on this hours of prep work. Um, so when you first decided, okay, I'm going to DM this group. What was the first thing you did, Jonah? Mm. I uh, stole slash borrowed uh, my friend Brooks's player handbook. Yeah. So he'd already bought a player handbook, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to take this for a couple weeks because I, I knew nothing like about the game. Mm -hmm. so, so you started with a player's handbook and just kind of like, all yeah. right, now i got to memorize all these rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, Charlie, what about you? What was the first thing you did when you realized, okay, I'm DMing a game? What was the first thing you did? Um, Basically to prepare man, yourself I, for it. Well, yeah, because it was kind of an interesting... Uh, process because you know i'd known i had the i had i had the idea for um the story um and i was like oh it's, it's this is an idea it'd be fun to kind of write this adventure and um so i talked to you and i was like oh it'd be fun because then you'd get to play and i knew you kind of fell into that like well someone's got a dm I was like, oh, it'd be fun to let you kind of kind of do it and i had the outline um 
of what I wanted all in my head. Um, and so the first thing I did was honestly is I ignored it. Like even after we were like, yeah, let's, let's get this written. And then you can DM one on the, on the show. I was like, okay, cool. And then I ignored it because I was immediately stressed out. Like it became real. It wasn't just this idea of like, Oh, this could be something that was like, yeah, get, get this done and we'll do it. And I was like, Oh no. Um, so I, I, I ignored it and then just, uh, opened up a Google doc and wrote down everything that I had in my head first. And it was a big jumble mess. Um, and I was like, well, I'll come back to this and, and organize it. Um, and so, yeah, the first thing I did was freak out and, and then kind of let all the dust settle of all the ideas that I had and then formulate what I'm going to do. Um, nice. so yeah. So, uh, you just basically immediately felt the pressure of everything oh, yeah. about to come down. Yeah, because like like yeah. I said, the difference between you both of you is Jonah. You had kind of a controlled environment for your first game, whereas just a bunch of friends sitting around the table. Oh yeah. Where Charlie, your first DMing session was in front of a microphone for thousands <laughs> of people to listen to. So there was yeah. Yeah, the dynamics kind of super funny. super casual. Yeah, yeah, no big yeah, no big deal. That's pretty awesome. But the funny thing about Charlie's is we got to edit his a little bit. I guess that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so his got to be edited, but not in front of us, but for the rest of the world to hear. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, now, uh, back to you, Charlie. Did uh, So you said you use like Google Docs and the Google Drive and stuff to kind of organize your thoughts, but when you realized, okay, I'm about to DM, did you look up like any blogs or like videos on YouTube for like tips on how to DM? Uh, kind of. Um... I, I, I'm on, I'm on Reddit a good bit and I get a lot of notifications about like DM tips and like DM stories. So I wasn't necessarily, I didn't research a lot of like how to run a game. Um, because I, I have a tendency in my life to mimic a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was kind of afraid that if I looked up all these things, I would try to force it. And so I wanted to to leave myself the option to kind of make it my own, which yes, it did make it more stressful, but I also didn't want to be strong arming the players with like, oh, well, I read this one tip that said like, you know, if this happens, do this. And like, I want to make this happen, but now the players want to do this and that's not what the thing said. So I'm going to try to make this thing happen. And so I kind of, I, I looked up some stuff, but I didn't really want to, overload my my plans with how to run a good D D game like yeah, yeah. i wanted it to be gotcha. I, I i kind of fell onto my own experiences and knowledge of listening to other uh podcasts of, of other campaigns and sort of just i mean it's it's probably the worst way to do it of just like let's just jump in but that's how i handle a lot of things in life yeah, for yeah. better or worse and so my my main thing was i didn't want to be obviously just like no this is how it happens like you guys are doing it wrong yeah i don't um, want to railroad everybody yeah and i mean uh, to be fair my adventure that i wrote was kind of on rails for the most part but yeah. um you know i i i wanted to to leave that open openness for the players um 
because like I said, I know how I function and a lot of times I didn't want that to happen. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and everybody's different. Everyone has their own style, has their way of learning and teaching. And, and so that's pretty interesting that, to know that you kind of just, you know, just based off of former knowledge of what you've listened to and just dive right in. So that's pretty cool. I will say, <laughs> I will say so that based off of that experience and, you know, running other games now, uh, I think the reason I was able to do that more so was simply because the, the adventure we were playing was one that I wrote. Yeah, so yeah, that's true. Everything was, you know, with the exception of like stat blocks, everything was from my mind. So it was already fresh for me. It gotcha. was there and I knew it. Now I kind of try to do that uh, running game for uh, my girlfriend's family. And that first session was, in my opinion, not very good because I, I hadn't done the research. So. Gotcha. It was, I kind of did everything backward because I wrote an adventure before ever DMing a game and then DM'd it on a podcast before ever DMing. But since I did write it, I was able to, to not necessarily kind of, you know, uh, really go over books and things like that, uh, other than the basic statistics and, and mm -hmm. um, things like that. Cool. Yeah. And, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that later too. The whole uh, written yourself versus pre-written adventures you know we'll talk a little bit more about that a uh, little more about that later nice. um and so jonah what about you did uh do you look up any like dm tips or anything to try to help you when you before your first dming yeah so of those three people in the car sam brooks and i on that crazy road trip using coins i knew the least about dungeons and dragons um so you're the perfect candidate yeah to DM exactly yeah. exactly i'm fresh you know um so I uh, got their advice, actually, on, like, so what should I listen to? What should I look up? So I listened to some Critical Role, and we listened to some Drunks and Dragons. And then I looked up, um, uh, Sam sent me, like, a link to Matt Mercer's series on YouTube. Is it GM my... Tips? Yeah, GM yeah. Tips. Um, they were pretty cool. Um, appreciated those a lot. Most of it was, like, vague stuff because I hadn't been playing for a while yet. It was like, okay, I think I know what he's talking about. But there were a lot of helpful things like, hey, relax, enjoy the game. You know, if you want to let some of those cool factor things happen and then get back to, like, the rulesy part yeah. of the stories, you know. That was really fun to just feel like, okay, I can do this. We can tell a story, and the point is to have fun together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I feel like, because I've watched those Matt Mercer series too, and I feel like those are a little bit more aimed to someone who's already running games but wants yeah. to get better. You know, um, and a series that actually helped me, because when I first started to DM, I, I'm a very much a learner as well, so I like to learn from other people. And uh, Matt Colville has a series on YouTube where he talks about running D&D &D games and just like, he basically breaks apart Dungeons and Dragons in like, talks about every little aspect of it in like oh, hour-long videos and so he's very informed this is the guy who runs like six seven games at a time Jeez, for, for a lot of people and so it was really cool to get a lot of tips from that but i love i love the aspect of you know how you guys work it how like charlie's just more of a he just kind of like took from memory just jumped in and then you you know you you talk with some friends and kind of figure that out and so it's just cool to see how people you know work differently and take that information yeah. and 
and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. And obviously, YouTube is a great resource for people that want to DM for the first time. Seriously. So those of you listening who do want to DM for the very first time, you know, we have these two people here on the show who are talking about their very first experience because they're still fresh. Like, um, Jonah, what, you're still not even a month into it or maybe a month I mean, into your DMing? It's it's a little over a month, but like I said, yeah. it's like 10 hours playtime. Yeah. You know? And Charlie, how many, but how many hours have you logged so far? Uh, probably about the same as Jonah. It's probably been about 10 hours. Uh, we've run uh, 10 hours of actual DMing and then probably another like four of uh, character creations for some of the, the, the group of people I work with who are wanting to play. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm still, uh, and not count, that's not counting the podcast with, whatever that however long that was i mm -hmm. blanked it from the, the stress gotcha yeah so i mean yeah so for you guys listening these guys that are on the show today they're really fresh and that's why i thought it would be great to have them both on the show um and actually this was kind of jonah's idea when he and i were talking about it and uh just thinking about what would be cool and then it's like well let's interview some dungeon masters who've done it for the first time and so obviously anybody can dm uh, it, it's a great experience if you've never DM before and there's a lot of great resources out there. Like I said, YouTube podcasts. I mean, there's so many resources now to, you know, teach you how to be a good DM. Um, and, and everyone learns different. That's why there's so many great resources out there for how you learn. Um, and so, yeah, yeah go ahead. I was just going to say like, you know, talking about the resources, uh, I mean, there, there are one of the things that like kind of, uh, scared me at first was, like I don't have uh, a dungeon master guide, and so I just when I did have to look up those resources, like it's available out there when you need stats and things like that. Like you can find monster stats online. Obviously, it's easier uh, and better to support D and D to buy the books. But like you know, if you're uncertain of can I do this, you know, whatever, like you can you can do it and not necessarily have to go out and buy you know, the player's handbook, the yeah, DM's absolutely. guide, like sure. the monster's manual. You don't have to, like, when you're just starting out, it, you know, if you don't know if you want to be a DM or not, you can, it is possible to do it without, uh, you know, going out and, and dropping $150 on three books. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, that's the that's cool thing about the power of the internet now is literally if you want to yeah. DM me for a session, you can do it for free. All you need is an internet connection, maybe a friend's printer, Seriously. you know, print some sheets off. Yeah. And yeah, literally, you can do it for free to start out. And then you can start to invest if you feel like it's something you want to do, invest in the books. Yeah. Or like now with like D&D Beyond and Roll20, you can do it all oh, digital yeah. now too. You can have download all the handbooks onto your computer, your laptop, uh, tablet, whatever, your phone. And so all those resources are out there, and it's amazing. You can literally start with $0 and DM your first game. Yeah. And so that's really cool. Sweet. Well, uh, moving on, um, speaking of being prepared for your first session, um, Jonah, why don't you tell me how you prepared for your first session? Yeah. Like you're going in, you know that, okay, on this date, I'm going to DM this session yep. my very first time. How did you prepare for it? What did you prepare? Did you use phone apps, pen and paper, yeah. handouts? You know, how did you prepare for that first one? So I'm, I usually prefer pen and paper. I don't know why, but like, Finding written material on a phone makes me feel manic. Like, I like, can't find it. On paper, it's like, oh, it's in my hand. I can find the right stuff. So I mostly wrote all my, like, notes and stuff on paper. And I was uh, DMing 
the Lost Minds of Fandelver. Mm-hmm. So I'd just gotten that one with the player's handbook and was like reading as much as I could. So I was only probably halfway through the whole adventure as far as like being able to read ahead and understand everything that's happening and going to happen. So I was pretty nervous about that. Like what if they get into something I don't know yet? And uh, player's handbook, by the first session, I mean, it's just like life, working full time, everything else. We'd set the date and I was happy to like, we're not going to move it no matter what. So I hadn't finished the player's handbook yet. So I'd read like all the stuff I thought, okay, this is going to be essential, like different classes and races and what their stuff was and all of the rules and like weapons, what damage they deal. And then I especially like went through the little handbook about the um, core rules. Mm-hmm. I think I read that like three or four times. I stayed up late a bunch. Um, my wife was like going to bed and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to use this little book light, sit here and read for a while. So that was most of my prep was like reading the adventure and trying to get a handle on the rules. Mm-hmm. So the first one, like I didn't have a DM screen. I, I had some dice, but pretty unprepared that first one, honestly. Gotcha. Okay. Very cool. Uh, Charlie, what about you? Um, to prepare, uh, for me, because uh, I, I kind of feel like I had two first times, honestly. Um, the first time ever technically was, was for the podcast. So I had a lot going on, not just DMing. And, you know, Jonah, it's interesting you say that, like, you're all about pen and paper, and I normally am in life. Um, but with D&D, I'm pretty much all digital. There you go. Um, which is, is, I mean, it's all personal preference. Uh, for me, I hate erasing things. And so if I'm digital, I can just, like, backspace and I'm good. Um, so I didn't have a, have a DM screen or anything either. Um, I just had my laptop. Um, but to, you know, I, I had all that. I had written the adventure. Um, the main thing I did to prepare was, uh, just kind of like, okay, try to relax. And ever since I was young, the way I prepare for stressful situations is to try to ignore it because I had known the adventure having written it. And I was like, I'm ready. Um, but if I stress myself out, like I'm going to be stressed while we're doing it regardless. It's not going to help me to stress out beforehand because then it's just going to choke me up. So I honestly, like to prepare, I just kind of relaxed and tried not to think about it because I knew, like I said, I knew the story. I knew that I knew my players and I knew that they wouldn't, throw any or I thought I knew that they wouldn't throw anything at me uh that I couldn't just improvise with um and if you've listened to that episode uh Corey's character kept asking me where we were and I didn't think in my head to like place a spot on the map for this town that I was making up and he kept asking where we were and I was just like (laughs) like it started a whole bit throughout the, the the whole recording of like my NPCs asking the other players if he was okay. And that was literally me, like, as a person being like, I didn't plan for this. Why, 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 I was like, why do you keep asking me this? This is a one shot. Like, come on. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, it it fit with his character. Now, my other time running the minds of Fandelver, um, 
like I said, that first session, I didn't feel like it went as well as it could have. Um, the players were happy, but um, I'd listened to that adventure on podcast, and I even had played that adventure. And so I was like, I don't need to research this too much. I know what's going to happen. And I did, I mean, I read through the adventure um, and, you know, we, we got the starter pack just so I could have, you know, my, my girlfriend's family could have character sheets without really having to, to think too difficult. Cause they, you know, they were like, Oh, you play Dungeons and Dragons. We play games all the time. Let's play. Uh, I was like, okay, yeah, cool. Um, and so it was difficult for me that first session because I, you know, kind of, like I said, with, you know, looking up tips, I had in my mind what, where I thought the adventure would go and it didn't go that way. And so I had to really sit back and then, so, you know, kind of reassess how I was going to run the adventure uh, based off of the fact that the players were nothing like anything I had experienced before. Um, and so the second session was a lot better because I went back and I really delved more into a lot more of the, uh, the NPCs and tried to forget as much as I could about the adventure so that I could allow them to tell that story, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. So it was kind of, kind of had that twofold. Like, I feel like I had two first times. The one was the one that I wrote and for the podcast, there's a lot of other things going on. And then, you know, the more traditional, uh, you know, group of people around a table, uh, you know, with dogs barking in the background kind of thing. Uh, Absolutely. But, yeah. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how much you think you know where a session is going to go, but it never goes the way you imagine it in your head? Yeah. 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 <laughs> welcome, <laughs> welcome to the life of a DM. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, okay. So that's, that's awesome to see and hear about. Um, now we're still, we're still talking about the first session here so that you guys, you know, you just share a little bit how you prepared for that session, Yeah. but let's talk about, okay, it's, it's now that time you're at your first session, you're at the table, you're officially about to speak to start the adventure. Yeah. Um, how freaked out or excited were you and what was going through your mind when those first words came out of your mouth for the first session? Yeah. Uh, let's, let's start with you, Charlie. I was terrified. Um, I thought, I thought I'm going to ruin this podcast. Oh, no. uh, Wait, you pretty much I almost thought, did. Yeah, it was horrible. Um, I remember thinking I'm already sweaty. Uh, and I was like, okay, I'm excited. I'm scared, but let's just go ahead and get this over with. Because, the, you know, I wanted it to be good. I wanted it to be fun, not just for the players, but, you know, for the, the listeners as well. So it was definitely a, uh, but once I started, you know, kind of like once I was able to, it was just like performance on stage. Uh, anytime I've been on stage for anything, I immediately, like two seconds before getting out there, I just want to throw up and run away. But as soon as I start, I'm good. You start to feel um, the, and feel so the that's vibe. Kind of, there you go. Yeah, and that's how that's how it was running the first one. Uh, it was, you know, it was like, okay, I've been planning all of this stuff, but I haven't actually thought about the very first words I'm going to say, um, which was weird to to realize in retrospect that like I had everything planned out except my literal first sentence. Yeah, I mean and, that's, that sets the tone for the whole campaign. Yeah. That first sentence. Yeah, and 
And once I got past that, I was like, okay, cool. I can, I got this. Um, but I was still nervous. Gotcha. All right. Um, and what about you, Jonah? Yeah, the first session was pretty rough in my opinion, but the players were also gracious. When we were starting, like I had just gone and worked out uh, after driving into Stillwater. So I drive like an hour, hang out with some friends, I work out, and then we go to their house and we play D&D. So I was like finishing my dinner after working out and like trying to sort out, okay, mine's a Fandelver, here's my rule book, you know, all of this stuff, getting it straightened. I think I talked in and sort of out of narration for probably two or three minutes before I was finally like, okay, I'm sorry, we're going to actually start. It was really weird, sort of like I was starting by like trying to explain, and then I actually finally was like, okay, I need now to stop and just really narrate. So, yeah. yeah. Man, yeah, seriously, that the first like, your first session, your first like, everyone's eyes are focused on you, and it's like, oh crap, I have to lead these people now through a journey. And it's, yeah, because I, I remember the first time I started is I had a group of four. My wife was in the group. This was before Charlie joined our group uh, months before. And I remember, I th- I'm pretty sure I stumbled through that whole, like, first paragraph I had written. And I was like, oh, I hope I said it all right because this is kind of setting up the whole thing. And Which, for me, I also ran Lost Minds of Fandelver for the first yeah. uh, session because it's a great starting uh, adventure to run. Um, pretty cool. but I remember I was just so stinking nervous yeah. and like I, I, after that session, I re- couldn't remember anything that we did. Cause I was so just worried that I did a good job or not. That's funny. I don't get like viscerally nervous very often. So like, I won't sweat very much. I won't shake or anything like that. But like inside I'm like, I do not have enough prepared. This <laughs> is going to be horrible. So yeah. yeah and, and you learn later on that actually the less prepared you are, the better the session can be. I think the most surprising thing was like how gracious the characters were and that they still had fun. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. If you if you have good players then yeah, they can yeah. They can basically lead the story for you and you just kind of just feed off of them, which brings me to my next point. Um so Jonah, how much improvisation did you end up doing and did it surprise you how much you had to improvise? In the first session, um I did a little bit of improvisation. Um, it's continued to surprise me, like the, the choices that the players make mm. on behalf of their characters and stuff. But I think the first time, like everyone was like, okay, we're just getting into this. So nothing was like really crazy. The first one I did, um, for those who've played minds of Fandelver or DM'd it, which I think us here at this little round table, that's all of us, uh, Gundren Rockseeker, he shows up in Neverwinter drunk is what I is what I role played. So I really had fun like throwing a Scottish accent, trying to make him seem drunk. He even paid them in advance for taking the stuff to Fandolin, which was pretty funny. They uh, persuaded the drunk man to pay them early. <laughs> Probably wouldn't be too hard to do in these plaster drunks. So yeah. So what made you choose to have him show up in Neverwinter like that? Yeah, mostly because a few of my players who like like I was saying, you know, Sam and Brooks knew more actually going in uh, than I did. We're like, you know, let's do the typical. Let's do like, we meet up in a tavern. And so at first I was like, no, I'm not going to do what you told me to, you know, I'm going to do whatever the little book thing did. But I read the book and was like, okay, that is kind of, you just, you're all friends just randomly. You all happen to be hired. Okay, fine. So it was interesting that some of them were like, no, 
I don't want to go for Gundren Rockseeker. They like had to persuade one of the characters to go with them at the start of the adventure. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> they were they were having a lot of fun role playing for that first bit. So like the tavern scene, call it, was like ten or fifteen minutes of role playing. Wow. Just for everyone to decide, okay, yeah, yeah we will take the cart down to Vandal. <laughs> It's like if you don't, guys, I don't know what to do with the literally, adventure. Literally, we're not going to play if you yeah, don't like, do this first thing. Okay, that's the end. We're done now. Yeah, if you give too many players choices, they'll choose the wrong thing. Yeah, but that was really fun to to do that and kind of have an NPC uh, show up so early and be able to improvise with him. Gotcha. Cool. And and Charlie, you and I talk a lot about improvisation, um, especially mm -hmm. like in playing and DMing and stuff. So. Um, I know that you love improvisation, and so how much oh, yeah. improvisation did you end up doing for even the podcast episode and your sessions you're running now, and how much does it surprise you that you have to actually improvise? Um, for, I, I, I mean, I, yeah, I'm, an, I'm an improviser. I love to do improv, um, and so I, the way I set up my adventure was uh, that I wrote was, you know, I had the NPCs that uh, I was like, okay, they have this information. I don't know how I'm going to get to that information if the characters, you know, for the characters to learn. And a lot of the information that I had set out, uh, you guys didn't learn. And I, you know, I, I was okay with that. Like, whenever I see in the book, and like, you know, you know uh, any adventure where it's like things in quotes, that makes me nervous. Mm -hmm. because I put on my own pressure of like, if it's in quotes, it's really important. And I have to say it like that and I have to make sure it gets said. So I kind of fell back. I did a, an improv show years and years ago where it was kind of like a, a murder mystery dinner, but it was all improvised. And they were like, Hey, here's some information that you need to somehow tell the audience. And so that's kind of how I, I've approached a lot of the, uh, relative information that needs to get said but uh that allows me to do the improvising that i enjoy doing that relaxes me um because when things are improvised in my opinion you can't really screw up because nothing was planned uh, yeah, yeah. which is not exactly how how D, &D works but at the same time i was you know i was surprised at some of the ways the players improvised um because and, and even how I ended up improvising some of the NPCs, um, the, in our campaign that I ran, uh, for the podcast, the, the bartender, I ended up changing him literally right before I started. Like I had an idea for what I wanted and then it started and it went out the window and it became something else. Um, was that, was that because you wanted the, to adapt to the story a little more or because we were, we were taking it or was that just a personal preference? Uh, it's just kind of how it, how, how it, the interactions happened. Like, and, and I kind of based, <laughs> kind of based that character off of someone that I know, like he's, he's a, he's a friend of mine. Um, and I didn't necessarily, I wanted it to be more like him, but then when I started playing, it didn't necessarily happen that way. Um, and it was just because of the interactions, how things had led up to that point. Um, I, I wanted a character because up until that point, there hadn't the interactions had been kind of kind of really awkward between the NPCs and the PCs. Um, with your character being more standoffish, and then like 
for some reason, all the other characters adopting whatever accent I did. That was really good. That's fun. Yeah, it was fun. But like, I wanted an NPC that kind of was chill in a way Mm -hmm. that like allowed you guys to kind of let down your guard because I needed your characters to let down the guard. Um, And so that was surprising to me. Uh, But with my other game, uh, I didn't start uh, with role playing. I pretty much with the Minds of Endeavor, I pretty much started like I told them the backstory. And I wanted to get them into the adventure to learn how to play. Like we'd gone over it, but they were all like, we learn by doing, let's just play. And I was like, that's going to be tough, but okay. And so I, I didn't want to overload them with RP right away because they, none of them are really performers. You know, they're not, they don't like to be on stage. They just wanted to play a fun game. And I didn't want to kind of like force them to RP so I let, I let us kind of like, I jumped into more of the like, okay, you roll this, now you do this. Okay, here's some of your options, kind of to let them sort of see the mechanics of all of it. But the second session we played was almost 100% RP. Um, and I mean, we played for, for three hours, nice. three or four hours, and uh, we only did one one battle, one fight. And that was at the very end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And it was just them walking around Fandolin talking to people and they got really into it, you know, and and a lot of the interactions took longer than I thought they would. Um, But they kind of, cause they kind of knew the mechanics already and we've gone over all of that. Um, And so the RP was a little bit easier for them. And I really handed up, uh, you know, with that, because I was like, they know the mechanics. Now they need to know that it's okay to really go all in with a character. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I pulled out all my crazy voices that I could do. And I mean, it was, it was really weird for me to, to be sitting there, you know, with people who literally had no experience with D and D and like, I'm trying to convince them like, okay, no, but here's the thing you're you're a halfling like you're a little little person you gotta remember you have this going on yeah and uh and like it was fascinating to me that like the people that i didn't think would get really into the rp really did that's um and so like yeah it's it's kind of weird to be sitting at a table with your girlfriend's mom and she's like going all in on being a halfling rogue and you're just like this is amazing that's awesome (laughs) but uh, yeah, it was, it was the improvising aspect of it helped me because once they got into it, I got into it. And then, you know, uh, definitely having that mindset of yes and. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everything better. That's awesome. And so, so piggybacking off of that, Jonah, um, as far as role playing, is that something you encourage in your group? And how much did your group get into the actual role playing aspect of your game? Yeah, I think. Um, different levels for different players. Yeah. Um, especially with my group, there are some people who, uh, for instance, my wife is playing uh, with us, and her character is a little bit shy of a character, but she like, right out the gate was, working on role playing where other people were still like, wait, what do I do now? Like constantly out of character sort of stuff. Uh, part of that's because she writes a lot and reads a lot, so she's really able to 
get a character, commit to that, and them be like their own person. So I'm trying to work on a lot of the other people. Some of them are already pretty good at role playing, and some of them are like learning how to role play. Yeah. But I'm learning myself how to role play. So I did a lot of speech and debate in high school. Loved it. Loved doing improv stuff. Um, so we're working on that yes and so that characters aren't having like, no, you come with me. No, you come with me sort yeah. of discussions. It's more like I do this and then the other person goes, well, okay, well, I do this. So Perfect. Trying, to, trying to get that building on each other role playing going more Yeah. as each player gets better and better at becoming their character and making decisions that flesh out who their character is as a person, and, yeah. you know. So I've awesome. got a lot of really interesting characters. Like, I don't have a single halfling or dwarf or human. So you don't have the classic characters in your group? Zero. Zero classic races. Wow. And, like, I have all of the crazy classes, too. So I've got, like... Yeah, a, what are some of them? A drow rogue, a tiefling bard, and all of their backstories are really interesting. A rock gnome wizard, uh, that's my wife. I love her backstory. She, like, killed her whole town in accident and now won't use her wizarding powers. Oh. So it's, like, super interesting in battle. She'll, like, hold back um, because that's what her character is. Like, she's she's nervous she's going to kill a bunch of people on accident again. So then, like, a half-elf ranger, half-orc barbarian, and a dragonborn monk. It's, like, all really intense, interesting races and classes. It'd be a very interesting group to see all at once. Oh my gosh. I didn't realize that the first time we were talking about this. Mm -hmm. The tavern interaction that I had a start on, if I'd have realized like how intensely diverse my characters were, I think I would have had like people in the tavern in town just flipping out. I know it's never winter, so it's like a big coast town or whatever, but but still, to see a drow and a dragonborn hanging out together, you yeah. know, that's probably not good. Yeah, and then tiefling bard just up there singing, and everybody's like, whatever, it's cool. <laughs> what about you, Charlie? Do you have any interesting characters in your girlfriend's campaign? Um, yeah, it's kind of, uh, in, I mean, a lot of, the only character that um, I rolled up for any of them, because, uh, like I said, my girlfriend's family, they were just kind of like, let's just start. So they used the, the basic uh starter character sheet okay. um but i did roll up my girlfriend's and she's a tiefling rogue nice. which i didn't really think about because now we have two rogues in the party um and and so they're sneaking all over the place whenever we play it but you know kind of talking about general like said different levels of rp because i'm playing with you know her whole family so i have an age range of 50 to nine Oh, that's awesome. Youngest player that's incredible. being nine years old. And so I I kind of it's it's really difficult sometimes for me to to go from all right, so right now I'm talking to a retired art teacher, and now I'm talking to a nine year old, and now I'm talking to a twenty five year old who is just got her masters in English. And so it's like all right, this is a whole different thing. And I know that, you know, we're RPing, but at the same time, their experiences make it different on how they're going to RP. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, for sure. And like, it was kind of weird. I realized like, I'm, I maybe should kind of tone down some of the, the more aggressive aspects of, of D and D, but because I'm like, this girl's nine years old <laughs> and you know, all right. Um, 
but I, I, you know, they've been very gracious and understanding and it hasn't really been a, a, a difficult thing as far as like, you know, making it okay. Because I, while I don't get too in depth into, you know, battles as far as like death and things like that go, you know, she's, she she's getting it and it's really great because our last session she was like reading over her character sheet the first time we played she doodled a lot and basically just just did the fights but this last uh session that we did she kept reading she was like hey i'm a noble i'm like yeah you are she's like that means people feel comforted by my words and i'm like oh yeah yeah that's right i kind of forgot about that and so i kind of reached out to her in the game and like really played that up so that way she kind of felt much more involved whereas awesome. my girlfriend's character is a tiefling rogue and she's like i don't really talk to people like she's a she's an urchin uh and so she doesn't trust anyone and she's just like yeah i don't really talk and i was like well i really want her involved too even though her character is this so like almost feel like i have to be like four or five different types of dms just to run this but it really works in a weird kind of way because while everyone's so different, they're still a family. And so uh, they know how everyone interacts and works and how they think. And it's me learning that as I go, which is a lot of fun to do, but you know, the, the, the weird RP that I've heard of in other campaigns too, is that people forget how basic conversations work. Yeah. And they just like get into a character and like her, her, my girlfriend's dad, who is the uh, dwarven cleric, like he's real aggressive and he's got the, like the, cause he thinks dwarf and he's like, oh, grumbly and rah, rah, rah. Like he just, he, I don't think he said hello once. <laughs> That's he just funny. goes straight into like, it. Just go straight into it. Like, where's Cragmaw Castle? And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> and, you know, and he's, it, he's kind of just like, all right, I'm just going to make it a character trait now because he realized after the fact he's like yeah i don't really talk well and i'm like it's really interesting to have a cleric be this just like rough and tumble like i'm kind of rude yeah and uh where whereas the the rogues are the ones who are like hi you know i just want to that is interesting to think I'm that. yeah that's an interesting dynamic <laughs> It's it's been really fun to to kind of see how that interaction those interactions have 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 gone, um, but yeah, it's it, it's fascinating to me to to see how people's minds work differently within role playing a character because I would see it one way and they see it some completely other way. Oh, absolutely, yeah. What's in your mind's not in their mind. Um, what about right. you, Jonah? Do you have any characters that don't have basic conversation manners? Yeah. Um, there's, well, one of them, it's, it's part of his character. So the drow rogue, like, grew up on the streets. His parents, like, it's a pretty dark, sad backstory. So I think he's chaotic evil, if I remember his alignment right. Yeah, I think that's right. Or he's, like, neutral, just, like, mm-hmm. plain old nothing. So he does whatever he wants, and that's his character, right? So when they walk into, like, Lion Shield Coster, the First thing he does, not say hi to Lenini Greywind, is try and steal stuff like immediately. And that's like every interaction that he has. The first thing he tries to do is see if he can steal something or get something off of such and such person. So he's pretty bad mannered, but I think that might just be part of his character 
it cracks me up. He'll like immediately be like, and I'm rolling for dexterity to see if I can steal something. I'm like, you just walked in, man. Come on. You're not even going to check and see if anyone's watching. You just go straight for it. Just boom. Just, I haven't even told him who's there. Just like, we're in the door. I'm stealing stuff. And I just make it to where he gets caught a couple times. He gets thrown in jail and see how he changes it. Yeah, make some, some big consequences. <laughs> awesome. All right. Um. So, all right. I want to ask you guys a few few questions, just kind of a, a this or that type questions. So when it comes to story, uh, Jonah, now that you've kind of DM'd a little bit, mm-hmm. um, what do you think you're going to prefer more? Prefer more a pre-written story, or are you going to try to work more on writing your own story? Writing my own, definitely. Writing your own. Why is that? There's when I have a pre-written, I feel like I have to know the whole world, right? So I'm not super familiar with the Sword Coast yet, and and that's hard because I want to know like where everything is, and there's so much of somebody else's world you have to understand but like charlie was saying if if you got it in your head you know if you've made this world i feel like i'd be more comfortable leading adventurers through that and being so when i do have to improv it's like boom yeah if i have to make up a town it's my world i can make up a town you know yeah absolutely that sort of thing where within this other world it's like you know what hold on i don't i don't know if i can do that because the sword coast is already a thing Mm mm-hmm so finding there's already that, laws abiding in those yeah, areas. Finding that balance is rough when it's somebody else's world. Absolutely. So I'm excited to have kind of my own world to introduce them to. You know, we'll probably still stay in like the Forgotten Realms. Absolutely. So. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like, yes, there's so many pre-written adventures out there, and it's awesome. The fact that someone's already gone through all the trouble of writing all that out and creating these expansive worlds that you can take your characters through but at the same time there is a bit of paralysis i feel like with yeah. those you know because it's like all right i just got this book of 300 pages of this adventure yeah wait a minute i just have 300 pages of adventure now that i have to understand and get myself acquainted with and yeah. to lead them through so i mean yeah on the on the good side it's already there written for you, you know what's going to happen you know where the characters got to go, where the bad stuff happens. But at the same time, it's like, yes, now I have to actually know this whole thing before yeah. I can really start running it. And then, you, like you said, you have the, the, also the advantages of writing your own because it's your world. You're already acquainted with your mind. Yeah. I forget if uh, Charlie or you, Corey, said this. One of you guys said something about now you are the story. Mm-hmm. And I really related to that statement. Just like if you're the intermediary between the... PCs and the whole world, everything in it, the NPCs, the roads they're walking on, the trees, everything is you telling them what it looks like, who they're talking to. Then you really do have to become that world. Yeah. Even for me, like I started with the Lost Minds of Fandelver because I wanted to get acquainted with how yeah. to DM, but literally the third session, I started writing everything from there on out. There and now go. I've got this expansive storyline and you know everything is still set in the Forgotten Realms. Um, I've got all these great uh, uh, backstories and stuff that I'm still waiting for my characters to, uh, you know, explore and find out. Um, and so, yeah. I, I, hey, I, just, just, just real quick, just real quick. What are those back those stories that you want your characters to find out? Why don't you delve into that a little bit? Um, you know, uh, I, I don't really feel like I should tell that on this because mm. there might be some players listening that are yeah, part of that group, <clears throat> Charlie, or talking to you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> just so everyone knows in the story that I've you know that I've been in the campaign that I lead apart from this podcast which we haven't actually gotten together in a while to, to finish but my players are in a bit of a predicament where death is on their doorstep 
Oh, so wow. it's going to be exciting to see how they get out of that. That's but <laughs> back to back to kind of my fault. And it is it is definitely because Charlie's character in that is a halfling monk who just loves to kick doors open. <clears throat> oh and no! Just walk right in without thinking. <clears throat> nice. So uh, that caused some problems. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a half, the half orc barbarian does that. <laughs> Everyone's got a group. Someone in the group that does that. <laughs> but yeah, seriously, like I I love the fact of being able to write now. And now I know a lot of people aren't writers can't necessarily do that so it is great that there are resources and campaigns out there but it's you can also always alter even a little bit here and there to make it your own that's the cool thing about dungeons and dragons is there are rules and there are worlds but you don't always have to follow that okay so yeah now and and charlie what about you pre-written or written uh i I will write my own um for the same reasons of you know wanting to like having that world, um, I'm actually already currently writing two other uh, campaigns, one that is a one shot and then another that uh, hopefully will be a full on like adventure. Um, but uh, I'm, yeah, definitely more of a write my own. So that way I can have that world in my head and, and feel more comfortable with changing things on the fly. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and like my set, like I said, myself, I definitely prefer written, like I'm running three campaigns right now. One, which is the podcast, which, um, I, I write a little bit of it here and there. We, you know, on the podcast for you guys listening, we basically take adventures from like, uh, the dungeon masters guild, uh, and people that have written the stories and we play them on the show, but I'll still take those stories and write and add things and change things to fit kind of our general line of the campaign. Um, and then I'm also, you know, I write the adventure for our group apart from the podcast. And then I also run another group, which is my wife's family, uh, her sister and niece and nephew. And we, uh, I write all the stories for that as well. So, I mean, writing is just so much fun because you can literally create your own world yeah. or even just altering other worlds. It's you make it your own. So basically, yeah, the tip there, make the adventure your own. All right, so some more of these this or that questions. Uh, Charlie, do you prefer theater of the mind or do you like the mats and minis? Uh, I prefer theater of the mind, um, both as a player and as uh, a DM. Um, as a player, for manipulative reasons of like, oh, yeah, I'm totally close enough. I can make that. And then you're like, okay. <laughs> um, but as a DM, because... Uh, you know, for me, it's all about having a good time, make sure the players are having a good time. And especially with new players, there's nothing more frustrating than a player who's like, okay, I've got this, I'm going to do this. And then you're like, well, actually you're not close enough. Mm-hmm. And you know, when it's, when you have the, 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 the map laid out and you have those like, oh, well, you're, you know, eight squares away or whatever. Um, so I kind of, whenever I, 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 I DM, I like to, to do it all theater of the mind. I don't know if my players like that, but uh, they seem to because I like the ability to give myself the option to either make an encounter easier or harder based off of distance. Gotcha. Um, which is something that in my in theater of the mind, it's a little bit easier to play off of um, than it is uh, when you've got the grid right in front of you. Um, and now I know that like for more hardcore players, and it's a grid you know, is, is beneficial with when you really get down into like, Oh, well, you know, your speed's only 30 and they're 40 feet away. You can't get there. Um, you know, and, and, but 
I, I like the, the flexibility of the theater of the mind um, for that that purpose. Absolutely, yeah. Um, what about you, Jonah? Theater of the mind versus mats and minis. Uh, so far, I have no mats and no minis, so we've been sort of de facto uh, theater of the mind, and that's been all right. Um, for beginning, I would really like to have at least for combat, maybe. Mm-hmm. Some of those combat encounters in Fandolin and uh, on the road have been tough to be like, okay, I got to like, where were you? Okay, where are you? So I've been using a lot of like, um, we talked about this cards and other stuff to get mm-hmm. like combat order and everything else really clear for everyone to see. Absolutely. But I would kind of like to do some sort of hybrid where I'm not relying upon the mats and the minis constantly to where everyone's like, oh my gosh, really? Yeah. Like, no, you can't walk from this store to that store that fast, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. But have a little bit more structure so they, they have enough structure to to roam around in that theater of mine. Absolutely, yeah. See, like myself, I definitely prefer, if, if I had my way, I, I would probably do it 100% theater of the mind. I just love the whole just immersing yourself in your imagination and picturing yeah. it all yourself. But at the same time, you have, like, I go off of what the players want to. So, like, in the sessions that I run, they like for combat to have that grid out. They like those yeah. minutes because they like to actually see what's going on, which at the same time, it keeps everyone on the same page, for sure. Yeah. You know, you can look at it like, okay, we all see where we're at. We're all doing it. So they have their downsides and their upsides to having a mat and mini out there um, because now you are being more tactical about how you do things. But, yeah, for me as a preference, I would definitely love to keep things all theater of the mind at all times. But, obviously, it's based on your players, what your yeah, players prefer because you sure. want them to have the good experience, not just the DM having fun. You want the players to have fun. And so I we've we found a good balance to where it's theater of the mind except for battles. There so you go. battles, but even on the podcast, we we typically run theater of the mind because it's not a visual podcast; it's all audio. So we don't really have a battle grid on our table while we're yeah. recording. So everything is done off of theater of the mind. I just keep like a little little map or something in my notes that I can at least keep track of some of what's going on. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I will ahead. say that. Uh, I was going to say, I, I keep a map like in my notes um, just to help me describe things uh, to the players. But thankfully, my players have, have really like been able to. I mean, normally it's they'll be like, okay, and where are they again? And where am I? Okay, got it. And then they know what to do. And they generally always have that general, that idea of like where they are. They just want reassurance. Absolutely. Um, and so. Yeah, even and I'm sure like once you get to like six or seven people at your table, yeah, you're probably gonna need a mat or something Seriously. to keep yeah. track because that's that's a lot of people. I got six people and uh, yeah, it's especially tough. if they all spread out and you're like, oh, okay, I don't remember who was by what. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right, so um, okay, so the best thing about being a DM is a lot of times you get to hide behind a screen. Um, and so your actions are typically unknown to your players. So uh, something I do a lot, and a lot of a lot of DMs I know that do do a lot is, um, and th- there's always been a debate about this about fudging die rolls. Do you Ooh. do it or do you not do it? Do you uh, fudge the rolls for a better player experience, or do you just nope? You're at the mercy of the dice gods, and you just got crit hit when you only had one health point left. It doesn't matter about the story. So. For you guys, Charlie, we'll start with you. How how often do you fudge die rolls? Um, fudging die rolls, man, I can't necessarily say that like I fudge die rolls that much. 
Um, there's definitely been times uh, where I was like, okay, well, I'll just forget to add their bonus uh, there you to go. the damp the damage. Um, so they're still taking damage, but they're not taking as much. Yeah. I've fudged uh, specifically within the the, uh, the minds of Fandelver. I we almost had a TPK uh, against Clark. Oh wow. And, and I'm like, this is, this is the first session. Like, this isn't good. And thankfully, I was actually blessed in a way because I didn't want to just, like, kill everyone the first time playing, you know. Um, he rolled a critical fail. Uh, and I didn't have to fudge it because I was, like, right there. But I did kind of, like, make the consequences more and then really adjust that story to where I ended the battle because – they would have all died. And I yeah. didn't want that to happen for the players. Cause again, it's like making the best story. So it, it I, it wasn't necessarily fudging the, the die roll, but like I made his consequences much harsher on a critical fail because the, the, his wolf had already killed one of the members or put below zero. So she was unconscious. Everyone else is at like two hit points or something like oh, that. Goodness. And there's hardly any damage done. Uh, like no damage to Clark yet, and the wolf had only taken like one hit. Thankfully, I rolled a critical fail, and then I rolled damage against the wolf. And so it was like, okay, uh, he swings at you but misses, and the wolf is right there, so he hits the wolf, and like did max damage against the wolf. And I was like, oh boy, okay, uh, the wolf dies, and Clark is upset, and he stops fighting and wants to die. And so I, I definitely kind of adjust things, but... Yeah. I'm not necessarily fudging so much on the, the roles themselves, but more of like the modifiers and things like that. Gotcha. Yeah. And you, Jonah, some of my adventurers might listen to this later. So <laughs> uh, um, one of them is listening to it right now. Yes. I've fudged a few die rolls, even in my only 10 hours of DMing. Um, they split the party in Phandalin. Blew my mind a little bit. One of them was drunk, so he was role playing really really well because he was like later regretting it and wishing they hadn't gone um but yeah so four of them went off and two of them were left to face uh four red brand ruffians at the tap house and then we haven't gotten into much other trouble than that in Fandolin yet but i fudged a few die rolls on damage because it was like okay their ac's here so that hits damage roll oh crap they're gonna die if i roll this so I was like, mm, I'll leave them two hit points. That you know, <laughs> yeah. Like just I, I cut two off of it so they didn't drop to zero. Yeah, and yeah, because it, it, it comes to those points where it's like, do I kill the players? Do I you know let them fall to this uh, based off of this monster is just rolling really well, or these bandits yeah. are just critting every time they roll? Yeah, and it, you get to that point, do I enhance? Is this about enhancing the story, or is this about they're going to learn a lesson that sometimes these guys are really I'm rough and they roll really good? Stuff. And so that's the thing, especially for all you people who are thinking about DMing the first time. It, it's okay to be lenient with your dice rolls, I believe, because not everyone needs to die right away, especially yeah. on their first yeah. session. Or at least, you know, find a way to be lenient. Like Charlie was saying, you know, I don't fudge die rolls, but, you know, when the opportunity arises in the role to kind of, all right, you know, Clark goes ahead and accidentally kills his wolf. You go for it for the sake of the story and yeah. the characters actually get into play. Yeah. That's kind of, I guess, the, the psychology behind me fudging a few roles has been like, well, you know what? 
we're gonna hurt him, but but we're not gonna kill him right off. The only time that I was like, they're gonna get it is um, when the barbarian. So we made it to Kragmong hideout, and everyone's like, okay, it's time to run. They reached a point in the battle where they don't have enough people, they don't have enough power. They realize they're just gonna get demolished. One person chose to be like, no, I'm going to hang out by myself and fight off these eight goblins and three wolves. I let him have it. It was like, you know. It's like, okay, you made this choice. It was like, this is all on you. You've been warned. There will not be mercy on the die rolls at all. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, I guess sometimes you need to learn the hard way as well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I've definitely fudged a lot. Little behind the scenes, I've I've fudged on this podcast before with some what? die rolls and some storyline stuff. But hey, I'm all about making the player experience better, and so sometimes I don't want someone to die for the sake of someone rolling really well. Or you know, like Charlie said, not necessarily fudging the die roll, but fudging a situation. Yeah, that would just be yeah. almost unfair and unbearable because someone's yeah. just somehow rolling so good, or the players are just rolling so bad that in a, sucks, a counter yeah. that should be so easy that it was like, you know, I'm going to throw this little encounter in to maybe just kind of give them a little hiccup, but then yeah. they keep rolling fails, and it's like, oh my yes. gosh. You know, so, okay. So, um, all right, so before we finish this out, why don't you guys share a story from your session that stood out to you that was just, okay, this is why I'm a DM. This is... This is awesome. So whoever wants to go first, if you have a story you want to share from one of your sessions. Well, I can, uh, Charlie, you mind if I jump in? No, yeah, please, because I'm thinking. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so I am thinking about a story in Phandalin. They've all showed up. They already got paid by Gundren Rockseeker. So they're kind of trying to manipulate Elmer Barthen to see if they can get anything. And it was right after that that they split the party. And that was probably one of the most surprising moments for me. But two of them went to the Shrine of Luck, and the other four went over to the Lion Shield Coster. So they're, like, right across from each other, but they can't really see each other at the moment. And the moment Lenini Greywind, like, offers these four players 50 gold pieces, I think is what it was, for retrieving some of her goods back off a Tribor Trail, they jet like that. And I don't remember if I made them roll to see if, for stealth, if they avoided the other two. I think the other two had already gone to the tap house, so they were just gone. The other two were, like, abandoned. And that kind of blew my mind. That was a fun part of the story where I was like, oh, my gosh. They're going to learn quick that you never split the party. Never split the party. Yeah. So that was really fun, them just rolling out of Phandalin. Have they gotten to where they've... Uh felt the consequences of that yet uh one of them the the barbarian who on top of that decided not to leave a battle that was obvious he needed to run away from okay. at that point uh the others are now kind of stranded off a tribor trail minus one person up near uh Kragma hideout so this is going to be really interesting next next session gotcha all right charlie did you think of one uh yeah i i the interactions it honestly like for me there hasn't been a moment in game. I mean, like it's fun and I enjoy it, but uh, here recently, the thing that kind of made me like think, okay, maybe I'm not garbage at DMing and, and this is a lot of fun um, with uh, my, my girlfriend's campaign that I'm running. Uh, 
apparently her sister, her little nine-year-old sister, her mom was putting her to bed and uh, she asked, she was like, hey, can Charlie come over every weekend so we can play D&D? That's awesome. And that's really sweet. I was just like, I was like, man, that's, that's really cool because, you know, for one, I was really worried that she was even enjoying it just because, you know, it's it, like I'm, I'm splitting such an age gap between everyone and trying to make it enjoyable for everyone to where it's not just, you know, like a game for a nine-year-old, but it's also just not a game for an adult. And um, I was worried that I was skewing more toward not making it enjoyable for her. Um, but yeah, she was like, can, can you come over every weekend so we can play d and I really like it. And like, that was kind of just like a moment for me where I was like, that's really cool because the interactions within the story and, and, and playing have all been great and have been fun, you know, it's been scary at times and, and you know, uh, enjoyable or laughing, but yeah. that moment of like when, when my girlfriend was like, yeah, she really wants you to come over this weekend so we can play D and D again. Um, and you know, unfortunately I don't always have a weekend free to do that, but you know, like that was kind of a moment for me of like, yes, this is really cool that I'm doing this. And, and so I've started researching like single games that, you know, my, my girlfriend and her sister can run, you know, where it's just them kind of playing, uh, if I can't make it because she's really enjoying the whole role playing and like, getting into characters and, and, and figuring out the story. Um, you know, because they play a lot of games, but it's like Monopoly and Clue and, and yeah. other, you know, games and they they are they're a family of, of gaming in that kind of sense but i think this is the first time where she's been like kind of felt like she's building the game with us you know mm-hmm. um yeah. and so that that to me was probably the moment of like okay yeah i'm really glad i'm doing this that's awesome that's that, really cool to hear that story building element can be pretty captivating I think maybe that's part of why it's so positive now. Like you were talking about back in the mainstream Dungeons and Dragons, you know, when I tell people, you know, like, what are you doing Monday night? I'm like, oh, I'm DMing. They're like, oh, Dungeons and Dragons? People are like excited to hear about that. There's this really sweet, captivating thing about telling a story together. Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's definitely the best part. It's awesome. All right, so uh, now looking forward to, you know, we've discussed all this stuff about your first time DMing and, you know, what you went through, how you prepared and all this stuff. So now looking forward to, like, your next session and your sessions from here on out, um, are there anything you're going to start improving upon? Maybe, like, your setup, how you're planning? Are you learning things now that, okay, I need to improve on this for my setup? And what would those be? Yeah, so my uh, adventurers maybe could listen to this podcast and uh, tell me if they think what I'm improving is accurate, if there's other things I'm missing. But every session so far has felt like, okay, we're getting a little bit better, both on my side and on the role-playing side. So I've been using a lot more visual aids as far as like, okay, what action can I take in battle and putting things up on the DM screen to... Uh, help myself about like okay if they do this action these are the things that they have to do next so that i'm never like wait hold on do you roll a d20 or so getting all of those things straight has been really helpful the next thing i really want to do is start writing my own or if i'm still stuck in mostly minds of fandelver making it my own yeah so that's what i'm excited about awesome next 
yeah, you'll have to let us know how you how that goes. Yeah, um, for sure. Charlie, same question. Uh, the thing that I'm looking forward to uh, getting better at is just having uh, an encyclopedic knowledge of encounters and things similar to what Jonah said, you know, just not having to worry about like, oh, hey, do I roll this? I'm going to look at this. Oh, I got to figure this out. Um, regardless of whether I'm writing the campaign or running a pre-written campaign, uh, I go back to, uh, I mean, the first time I really listened to uh, anything D&D related uh, as an adult was with uh, Harmon Quest, or not Harmon Quest, uh, Harmon Town, and they're before Harmon Quest, but Dan Harmon's podcast, and there's they were recording, and they had Jason Sudeikis was a guest, and they're going through all this stuff, and like Spencer's just rattling off the information and saying like, oh, you do this, it does this, it does this, and Jason Sudeikis looks at him and is like, do you have this like written down? What do you, what do you, and he like as a joke just says like, I'm a dungeon master, <laughs> and I'm like. Yeah, like I want to be able to just like sit there and say like, oh yeah, no, that does this plus this, that's uh, awesome. and not have to really worry about it. And like, kind of like it was it was a joke, but at the same time, like a point of pride where he's like, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and so I'm really excited to kind of get to there. That's awesome. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. I think we all want to get to that point. <laughs> yeah, where it's like yeah. we we just know from the top of our heads. Yeah, exactly. All right. So uh, last thing in ten seconds, Jonah, tell everyone why they should DM at least one session. I would say DM at least once to appreciate whoever's DM for you, and to really have fun becoming a story. Awesome. That's that's great advice right there. All right, Charlie. Same thing. Ten seconds. Tell someone. Tell everyone why they should DM at least one session. He took my answer. I was going to say to appreciate the DM, uh, but I, I, apart from that, it's it really is an eye-opening experience for understanding not just what all happens in a campaign, but there's things that I learned as a DM that I don't think I would have ever learned as a player. Um, so it kind of, I think DMing once will increase your experience of as a player as well. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me on the episode today. Thank you to Jonah and Charlie for taking the time to sit around the table and uh, you know talk about the first time experience of DMing a session. And hopefully all you guys listening uh, got some great information from these guys about their experience. And maybe now you have something to look forward to for your experience. So yeah, once again, thank you guys so much for uh, joining in and on this conversation. And uh, to the rest of you guys listening, we'll see you for our next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Homebrew Adventures. Don't forget you can follow us on all our social media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at HBA The Podcast. You can also check out our website, hbapodcast.com. And you can always email us your adventures at hbapodcast at gmail.com.